Attention cannabis radio listeners. Do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm happy to introduce my two guests today, two lovely ladies. Deborah Borchardt is the co-founder and CEO of the cannabis financial news website, Green Market Report. Her career as a financial journalist included serving as senior producer and reporter at thestreet.com. She's also a co-founder of the Women's Cannabis Executives Networking Group, Industry Power Women, and serves on the board of the cannabis newswire, Access Wire. My second guest is Gaynell Rogers. She's Treehouse Global Ventures founder and managing partner. She's been named Influencer of the Year 2018 by Industry Power Women and the Top 100 Women of Weed by the Green Market Report. I see what we're doing here. All right. She's enjoyed a storied career in media relations and mass communications in music and film and now in the cannabis industry for the past 11 years. Wow, I'm so excited to talk to you both today. And and the reason we're talking today is about an important new policy report called Building New Foundations in the Cannabis Industry. We'll definitely get into that later in the show, but let's just talk more with our guests and get to know them a little bit better. Gaynell, please tell us more uh, about your background and, and how you found yourself in the cannabis industry. Hello, everyone from Nevada City, California, on eight acres of the Tahoe National Forest, which is quite beautiful right now. Mm. It is, um, I I worked in the music and film industry for decades uh, before coming to the cannabis industry in post-production, production, publicity, and marketing. It's quite a ride. Worked for large and small studio, film studios like Pixar and Lucasfilm. But I also always had a social justice side um, working on, uh, cancer awareness. I'm a three-time cancer survivor. Also the missing children's issue, doing all the media for the Polly class kidnapping and murder case in 93. And been very active in uh, my community. I'm on the hospital board, um, do a lot of volunteering for Californians for the Arts. And currently also advising Steve D'Angelo as personal manager and all of his TV, film and book projects across the globe 
as well as I'm an advisor uh, to the Galley co-manufacturing company in Santa Rosa, California, and several other companies that I mentor and coach in the Treehouse uh, portfolio. So it's really active, pedal to the metal on my desk these days. Uh, it's a very exciting time in the cannabis industry. and We all feel the shift and the lens of um, the federal environment and we're getting ready. Absolutely. Well said, Gaynell. Thanks for that background. Uh, Deborah, let's let's learn more about you and your your background as, as well and, and why you find yourself here in cannabis. Thanks, Bethany. My background is really in Wall Street. I worked for over 15 years at Bear Stearns. I was a vice president there. And I left Wall Street, got my master's degree in business and economic reporting from NYU. And as you mentioned, from there, I went to thestreet.com. And that's where I began covering cannabis um, quite early on, back in 2013, before Denver had even legalized adult use cannabis. Uh, There was a lot of interesting stuff happening with the stocks back then. Most of them had nothing to do with cannabis, but they had cannabis in their name. And fast forward to today, um, I was freelancing. I wasn't happy with the coverage I saw out there on cannabis. I felt that people really weren't covering it um, with the same kind of seriousness as they were covering other industries. And that's why I founded Green Market Report. So we've been around for about four years now and we are unbiased in our reporting. So it is not a pay to play type of situation. And so we we feel like we're able to deliver the news um, on cannabis companies in a straightforward and trustworthy way. Awesome. Thank you. Wow. I am talking to two very busy ladies right now. So I'm, I'm grateful that you've taken some time to record this podcast episode with me. And also the reason we're here today is that you both contributed above and beyond even everything else to work on this newly released gender parity report. It's a partner effort between NCIA and the ArcView Group and a dozen or more amazing individuals across various companies and organizations. And this is one of three or four different podcasts that we're doing as a series because there's so much in this report to unpack in all these different sections in this collection of research on gender parity, specifically in the cannabis industry. And wow, Deborah, when you talk about 2013 to 2021, gosh, so much has happened. And that's why we make the joke about if you work in the cannabis industry, it's dog years because every year feels like three or seven years. It's true. Yep. Yep. You got it. So dynamic. It's constantly changing. And that's part of why we love it. And it's part of why it keeps us on our toes. You betcha. (laughs) So uh, let's, let's, uh, take a bird's eye view here and talk about what the overall goals of this paper was, the process. I mean, that was a, that was a lot of people all contributing their, their research, their experiences, their thoughts, their firsthand experiences in order to achieve a goal. Uh, Deborah, would you like to speak to what the overall goals of this paper were and and what it was like working on it? Sure, Bethany. So, Again, when when we dial back the clock and look at how the cannabis industry was back in the early days, there were a lot of women involved with the cannabis industry. It was high risk. 
a lot of men were not willing to take that risk because it could have affected uh, their long-term career goals. There was still a great deal of stigma. And as many men are often the breadwinners for their family, that was just too big of a risk to take. Women, because they saw the opportunity and were willing to take that risk, often were taking the lead in establishing companies because they saw an opening and they took it. They, they pushed through that door and they started creating companies and they were very much a part of the industry building. But then as the stigma started to come down a little bit and we started to see the companies get bigger and grow faster, we started to see a lot more men from traditional roles uh, or traditional industries start to slide into the cannabis industry. So early on, there were probably, um, you know, it's estimated, we don't have hard numbers, but it's estimated maybe a third of the cannabis companies had women in a leading role. And that number started to decline, as I mentioned, for the reasons that more men were coming in and women were kind of starting to get elbowed out. We realized that it was time to look at our industry and look at where women fit within the industry. And as we started to have those early initial conversations, we realized that this was a much bigger conversation than just one report. There were so many facets and so many different areas that it was going to be a much bigger topic than we initially thought. And that's why we, we broke it down into different sections because we really wanted to do a deep dive. We didn't want it to be one of these little glossy reports with a few bullet points. We really wanted to take a hard look at all the different aspects of the industry and where women fit in and where we could improve on the situation. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that breakdown. Okay, now we've got about 30 seconds before we take us into our first commercial break. What was what was it like working on the paper? Revealing because there was very it was very difficult to have the industry uh, be very transparent about their C-suite and board member members. And so I think one of the things that we were surprised to find out is that that in the industry people aren't used to being real transparent, not only about their numbers, but about their C-suite. All right, let's take that first commercial break and then we'll come right back to chat more with Gaynell and Deborah about this gender parity report. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we're talking with Gaynell Rogers and Deborah Borchardt about this report that NCIA and the ArcView Group has published about gender parity in the cannabis industry. The report itself is called Building New Foundations in the Cannabis Industry. You can find it on both NCIA's website and ArcView's website. In fact, you can go to arcviewgroup.com slash NCIA, and I believe it'll take you right to the paper. So let's take a deep dive into the section of the papers, because as you mentioned, it, it was more than just one little glossy with a few bullet points. It actually got broken up into several sections. Uh, so Deborah and Gaynell worked on the access to capital uh, portion of this paper. So Deborah, let's let's start with some of these key takeaways uh, from this access to capital paper, um, and, and let's talk a bit more about those. Right. So one of the issues that holds a lot of female-owned companies back is not having the money in order to build that company and make it bigger. And we started looking into this. It was really hard to get some hard numbers around it. Um, But as we started to piece together the bits of data that we had, it was actually really more discouraging than what we thought. We knew it was hard for women to raise capital. We didn't realize how bad it was. And by our uh, assumptions in the, the work we did with the numbers we had, it turns out that really only about 1% of the female-owned companies in the cannabis industry have been able to raise capital. And it's such a shocking number to think that 99% of the capital that's coming into the cannabis industry is going almost solely to male-owned, male-run companies. It's just, it's it's certainly discouraging. Um, and it also, we're hoping that that number is shocking enough to shock some sense into the, the venture capitalists that are putting money into cannabis and starting to really um, focus on starting to put some of that money towards the women that are building their companies. Uh, we were just really shocked at, at these numbers. And it's so important to focus on this and help female-owned companies because what happens is, uh, like I said, if you can't raise that money, you can't expand your business, you can't grow it, you can't compete with bigger companies. It just, it trickles down. And, and then you're also, as a, as a say a female CEO, you're not as, as able to maybe sell your company or to transfer the skills you've learned from your company to another company because you're not seen as, as a competitor at that level. Uh, so we were really, again, like I said, shocked to see how bad it was. Um, we also learned that no matter how perfect your company was, the people that were lending money or, or raising money weren't interested. So we found that the men could come to the people that, that had the capital and say, hey, I've got an idea. I, I want to raise some money, but basically all I've got is an idea. I don't, have, I don't have anything else, but I got a great idea. And they were getting money. The women were coming to the table and saying, here's my balance sheet, here's my P&L, and here's what I'm doing, and my company's making money, and we've been, you know, profit profitable for three years, and, and just all these wonderful things, and being told no. 
And, and we found that that was also another really discouraging thing was that women were expected to come to the table with these amazingly pristine companies still being told no, but a lot of men could come with less than, you know, stellar balance sheets and, and business plans and getting the green light. And that was, that was certainly discouraging. Discouraging is certainly um, an interesting word choice as well. And I'm, there's a lot other, there's many other words that are coming to mind here <laughs> as well, but yeah. we'll go with discouraging um, for the purpose of this podcast, but infuriating is also coming to mind. Um, mm-hmm. But, but Gay now, what are, what are your thoughts about these key takeaways about raising capital uh, if you're a woman in the cannabis industry? Well, to be honest, I think it's an old boys network that needs to be um, pounded open. It's about connectivity. Did you go to Stanford? Are you a are you a, a, a Berkeley uh, graduate? Are you you know were you in this fraternity? We, it 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 goes mm. back to schooling. It goes back to the one percent, and and frankly, it just goes back to to connectivity and trust. And so a lot of the, uh, and, and frankly, a lot of the younger companies, when we started in 2000, I started in 2009, and we launched ArcView in, in uh, 2010, I believe, I think it's 10 years old now, there was a lot of exciting women entrepreneurs like Jessica Billingsley, who had started MJ Freeway with Amy back then, and they were our first funded women-led company in technology. There was a lot of, of great talent back then, but they didn't have the kind of connectivity that the quote male financial culture has. And so, and to, and to crack that or to get let in on a warm intro to some of the larger institutional funds or family offices was quite difficult. Back then though, there was so much reputational risk management now, now that we're in a new administration and a new environment, we see a lot of new, fresh investors coming in, and they're not so um, not so concerned about reputational risk management, depending on what their family offices invested in, depending on what their institutional funds are invested in. It's all this kind of risk management that happens in the corporate world, and I understand it, but it is starting to peel away given that uh, I think the latest Pew poll was 72% of Americans, you know, are for legalization is across the aisle kind of um, opinion poll. So we see, we see a paradigm shift that needs to be made in the financial political will, if, you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of layers here for sure. Um, and, and I'd like to talk more about the, the good, the bad and the ugly and honestly how difficult these conversations around this challenge of raising money can be. I mean, I can imagine it's hard to talk about, to, to expose yourself, to talk about your challenges. It can, it's like admitting your not even necessarily weaknesses. Uh, it's, it, so yeah, what, what are your thoughts about, about that? Well, I think Gaynell really hit the, the nail on the head when she noted that a lot of the men that are out there that are raising, they're coming from a culture of having been in that world already. They know someone. Um, for most of the women, they didn't know anyone. Their peers were not people that had started companies or had worked on the investment banking side of a, of a big company. They just didn't have those connections. And, and you've got to remember, Bethany, women couldn't get their own credit card or mortgage 
as recent as 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't even have um, equal rights until, you know, we're talking like early 80s, you know, so and in the business place and even still there's a lot of challenges in the business place. And and that's just built into us. And that's unfortunate. And, and it's taking time to break out of that. So we get a lot of criticism that, you know, women aren't aren't as comfortable with with creating their decks. They're not as comfortable with, as to your point, having the conversations and they, they tend to not ask for enough money because they're they're, you know, don't want to um, rock the boat. Um, they'll they'll ask for too little money. Uh, so there's a lot of issues that, that we're trying to tackle. Um, but having said that, we're, we started to see that women within the cannabis industry started creating their own funds to raise money and to invest in female owned companies, because they kind of said, you know what? Okay, fine. If the male venture cap companies, the male private equity companies are not going to give the women any money, fine, we'll do it ourselves. And I think that by that happening, it started to draw attention to it. And I think we are starting to see a shift, but it, but it's 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 slow. It's it's pretty slow in, in coming. Wow. And yeah. I'd like yeah. to chime in. I'd like to chime in for a minute. And this is why Treehouse Global Ventures formed. Bingo. We were all we were all we were all ARCV members, lifetime members for seven years together. My partners, uh, Lindy Snyder and Pennsylvania and Lori Ferrara in Chicago. And we were co-investing with each other and learning from each other. And we decided we heard about all these funds being formed and we weren't invited. Mm -hmm. And we thought, that's weird. So, okay, up yours. We're, we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> we'll make our own fund and we'll form Treehouse Global Ventures. And it was because we even within the wonderful community of ArcView, we that that culture was still there. And so we just, we just raised our hands and we said, uh, and by the way, Treehouse not only funds women-led and minority-led companies, but we also invest in male-led companies that have women in their C-suites or on their boards, that they have diversity on their boards. So we, we look at it in, in a socially conscious way or in a shared consciousness in an ESG way as well. And so that, that's, a, that's a big balloon of uh, mission, but we've, we found some really talented um, uh, growth companies along the way that are, uh, you know, exceeding projections and they're doing really well. And we mentor them. We just don't throw money at them. We take a board seat, we, we coach them, we mentor them. And there's a lot of people doing this around the country now to help women with the, with the toolkits that uh, to, just a simple toolkit of language, of structure, of organization. There's just a lot that you have to learn in this financial curve. Gotcha. You know what I love about what you were just describing? It, it makes me think of the phrase, if you don't have a seat at the table, go build your own table. Exactly. Now, let's take our last commercial break and we'll be right back to finish our conversation with Gaynell Rogers and Deborah Borchardt. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. 
SmartPots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, SmartPots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? SmartPots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million SmartPots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been chatting with Gaynell Rogers and Deborah Borchardt about this white paper called Building New Foundations in the Cannabis Industry, uh, which, which there's many authors of this paper. It was, it was a partnership between NCIA and the ArcView Group to put these various sections that makes up this larger paper. In addition to the papers themselves that go into these deep dive topics like raising capital, uh, board representation, C-suite, all of that, there's also toolkits uh, that you all built together to, uh, to accompany the research papers themselves. So readers can read the paper and then download this toolkit and take it back to the boardroom and say, hey, everybody, we need to start implementing these practices in our own company today. Is that right, Gaynell? Yes, and, and that's why we wanted to have some tangible takeaways on these papers. It's a discussion, it's a continuing conversation, but what goes in a data room? Uh, what, are, what are your cap tables look like? How did you do your projections? Are they realistic? Who's helping you with that? Is somebody auditing you? What is the language of a SPAC or uh, an M&A? There's so many things that go into uh, securing the right funder for your business. It's like a marriage and you have to vet it both ways. The company, look under the hood of the C-suite. And so we built some very simple lists of what we think and how you should educate yourself before you step out into the fundraising world. And you can download the paper and get the toolkits at the same time. And I think also it's helpful to have outside of your circles and family ears, meaning that don't rely on your besties for advice if they're not, you know, FINRA licensed brokers or been been in <laughs> Goldman Sachs for 15 years. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it's like, oh, well, my uncle was a PR person once. And so we're going to hire him to do our marketing. It's like, no, don't go there. So you help in every single way for casting your C-suite, casting your advisory board, and then building your data rooms and your materials for the financial world, which has, like the medical world, its own language. And you have to learn the glossary before you step in. Excellent. I, I think it's great that there's these toolkits available. It's 
it's not just information that you go, oh, that's interesting, and then forget about it, set it down, and go about your day. Really giving people an opportunity to enact changes within their own company, or at least begin to think about it. I think that's a great first step. Uh, so I'm excited, and and I encourage everyone, all listeners, to head to either thecannabisindustry.org, head to our industry reports section of our website and go ahead and download the papers or head to the arcviewgroup.com slash NCIA uh, and you can find the papers there as well. And of course, there's a couple other podcast episodes with some of the other authors of this paper. So if you really want to hear some of the other voices, be sure to check uh, our archives of this podcast throughout the month of March, actually happens to be Women's History Month. Love it. We are really pushing this paper out into the cannabis industry as well. And if you don't mind, while we were talking about these big issues about raising capital, it just kind of reminded me of one of my first experiences as a young woman being treated differently in a financial transaction because I was a woman. Um, I went to go buy my second car when I was 17. My father told me to go to the dealership and look around. And when I was in there, uh, the salesman came up to me and asked me a question or two. And then you want to know what he told me? Come back with your husband or your father. No kidding. This is the late 90s anyway. (laughs) Right. That's where we're coming from. So, you know, we don't, you know, we were we don't have, we, we, the women have not had the skills and the language set and that's what we're working to change. And as Gaynell mentioned, that was one of the big pieces of this paper was to have that toolkit at the end. It's, it's not enough to talk about how uneven the money is, but it's most important to continue that conversation with, okay, the money is uneven, but then what can we do to change this? Yeah. Absolutely. I want to thank you both for taking some time to chat with me today. Um, Our audiences hopefully are rushing to one of those two websites to download. And before we wrap up, I do want to make a quick announcement. We've all been kind of waiting and watching and we're all very optimistic about the vaccines that are being rolled out during uh, as we're coming up on one year since the world shut down, as I do not like to say. We were really, really being careful in planning coming back to the conference space. Our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, we had to cancel last year, and other conferences and networking events, we also had to cancel. So now we're looking to the future, and we have decided we will be hosting our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference in Detroit, Michigan, in September, the 22nd and 23rd. So right after Autumn Equinox, we'll be in Detroit, Michigan for our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference and the big Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in San Francisco will be hosted December 15th, 16th and 17th. So that's the big news. Stay tuned for more information and announcements about events and beyond. And once again, thanks to you both for joining me today to talk about this paper. Uh, any any final words, Gaynell, um, and then Deborah before we say goodbye? We have a future. <laughs> That's what I want to. We and have the future, a future is female, <laughs> and, the, and the future is bright. 
Awesome. So um, we hope we've given some people some tools and some hope. Excellent. Thank you. Deborah. thank you as well for being on the show. Any final thoughts before we wrap? Well, it's March. It is Women's Month. And I think that by writing this paper, we've just brought attention to an issue that needs to be addressed. And hopefully a lot of the men in the cannabis industry that um, have the money that they're using to invest will read this report and place that money with some female-owned companies. Love it. Love it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.